This summer we've been looking at parables, the parables of Jesus. Someone last week thanked me for preaching the parables and commented on how little they're taught in churches today. Now, you've probably heard some of the ones we've done, the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son. You've probably heard the parable of the soils. But now we're going to start getting to parables that you've probably not heard as much. In fact, today's parable may be a parable you have never heard. In fact, I'd I'd be surprised if you've ever heard a sermon on this parable. This is a parable, a pretty easy story. But the application of this story doesn't fit into our model of preaching, where you have three points and one big conclusion at the end that's challenging for your life. Parables don't do that. Parables, they sort of like mess with you. A good parable will stick with you and haunt you a little bit. And the rest of the week you're thinking about it here. You have lots of different applications to a parable. That's just the nature of parables. And some of them are more like that than others. And this one is definitely like that. It's a very hard parable not to understand, but to apply. Because there's a lot of different applications for it. Uh, So I find a lot of pastors avoid this text, and we're not going to. We're going to dive in. The text is from Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, that's Jesus, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them just he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Here ends the reading of God's word. First, let's just try to get into the story and understand it a little bit. We've got two major characters here, a judge and a widow. The judge, it's a short story, we don't get a lot of details about him. But he's a judge who can apparently make decisions over things like property disputes, which is likely what the widow has. Um, There were certain cases, like in our court system today, that would have to have like a jury or a tribunal or a group of people make decisions. But certain cases could go before judges. This judge we know little about, but we do know that he does not fear God or respect man. He pays no attention to God, doesn't care about people. In fact, in the text, Jesus says it and the man himself says it. So Jesus is emphasizing here, this guy does not care about God and he does not care about people doesn't respect people, does not care about what God would say. What's left for this judge to think about? Well, just himself. This is a self-absorbed judge. This judge only cares about getting what he wants. The widow in the story 
is, uh, is also a, a pretty vague character. We know as a widow that in that society, widows are very vulnerable. If you're a widow, you, you are supposed to try to be married off to one of the brothers of your husband so that um, you'd have somebody to, to take care of you and to take care of your property. Most women couldn't own property. Most women could not have ways of supporting themselves. Employees wouldn't work for a woman in those days. And so as a woman, as a widow, she's very, very vulnerable. Now, we don't know what her complaint is. She has an adversary, somebody out to get her. Is that a brother of her husband who's now deceased and now the brother is supposed to marry her but doesn't want to marry her or doesn't want to pay her out of the estate? And anyway, this is, this is a dangerous situation for this widow. Whoever's out to get her, if she doesn't resolve this, she is going to be left as a beggar. She's going to be left out on the street. Jesus doesn't say what the issue is, but whatever it is, it's obviously something related to property or marriage because that's the kind of thing I, you would go to a judge for. And so this woman keeps coming to this judge. She keeps bothering him, annoys him all the time keeps asking him, asking him, asking him. If she was a guy, she'd probably have to go to jail. Like, there's no way the judge would put up with a guy doing this. But because she's a widow, she has no other choice. The judge really can't enforce anything. Besides the fact, if the judge tries to get her in trouble for coming to him over and over and over again, he might get in trouble in the community for not having heard her case to begin with. The judge, again, in his own words, says he neither fears God nor cares about people. So Jesus is very clear in the story. It's not like this dude has a real change of heart. He still doesn't care what God thinks. He still doesn't care about this woman at all. But he's getting annoyed. He's getting annoyed. In fact, it says, this woman, this widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice so she will not beat me down with her continual coming. Beat her down. That phrase refers actually in the Greek to getting smacked in the face. Like this woman smacking me in the face all the time, annoying me. I'm going to give her justice. This is the classic case of the phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? This widow is just bothering the snot out of me. I'll finally give her what she wants. Notice the judge not changed, but annoyed enough to do what he should have done in the first place. Now, one of the things about parables is, is that parables were, in Jesus' day, very common, very ordinary, very everyday. It's only for us, 2,000 years later, that they seem odd. So, taking a rewrite of this story from an article called Prayer, Rebellion Against the Status Quo by a man named David Wells, I kind of rewrote his rewrite of the parable. And let me try to tell you this parable as if Jesus might have told it for us today. A poor black woman was living in the city of Pittsburgh. She was widowed and trying to raise two kids on the tip she was making waiting tables. It was a cold winter and her landlord would not turn her heat up to properly heat the apartment and her kids, despite the city ordinances requiring him to do so. The woman could not afford a lawyer and did not understand the legal system, but she knew something had to be done. She began by calling several times and being put on hold a lot, but she finally found the person in the city of Pittsburgh that she should be complaining to. After that, she began to call, email, and even send letters to that person. 
Unfortunately for her, this city official did not care about justice. In fact, he disliked the poor and was, in fact, a racist. Over time, however, the woman began to annoy him. He knew that if she wrote a letter to the paper or posted something on Facebook, it might really damage his reputation. He was also very tired of dealing with her contacts. So the man finally took care of the issue and enforced her case with the landlord. And the woman's heat was turned up. So we can understand the story, right? Story makes sense? Sometimes putting the story in a little bit modern terms, you can get a little bit more behind the story. Can you feel the tension of these, these conversations these two people are having? How annoyed the guy is. But he finally gives in, even though his heart isn't really changed. But the, the struggle of this parable is not understanding the parable. It's a pretty simple story. The struggle really is in understanding the meaning of the parable. The problem with this parable is we get an introduction by Luke. Luke says to us that the parable is about that people would pray and not lose heart. And then after the parable, we have Jesus doing some teaching. Uh, and you know what? Jesus' teaching after the parable has nothing to do with praying and not losing heart. So what's going on here? Well, first, let's look at Luke's introduction. Luke says, and he told them a parable to the effect, they ought to, to always to pray and to not lose heart. Luke connects this teaching with prayer. Luke has already talked quite a bit about prayer. It's from Luke that we get uh, the bulk of or what we prayed just a few minutes ago is the Lord's Prayer. Luke, just a few chapters earlier, has given that and talked about how important it is to pray, not my will, but your be done, yours be done. He talks about prayer being first and foremost a submissive act. That we, when we pray, aren't after what we want, but prayer is primarily about putting us in a position of saying, Lord, your will be done. Luke quotes Jesus as saying, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Apparently, sometimes you've got to pray differently. Sometimes you just got to ask God, but sometimes you got to seek him. Sometimes you got to go after it a little bit. Sometimes you got to start knocking. Sometimes you got to go for it. You got to try to get God's attention. Of course, God knows what's going on. But sometimes prayer is like that. You got to be a little bit more persistent. Luke also ties the passage with losing heart. You can imagine Luke. Luke is not a disciple of Jesus. Luke comes much later. He is. Uh, if, it, if it's who we think it is, it's Luke the physician who traveled with Paul and then did some time with Peter. So he's probably writing a lot of Peter's stories of Jesus, but he's like a second generation Christian. Okay, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't go on these stories. And uh, he's writing for people who are also in the same boat as him. He writes this book and he writes the book of Acts. And they go together, Luke and Acts. And you can imagine that by the time Luke is writing, you've got Christians who are further away from Jesus. So even Paul, when he's writing earlier than Luke is, he's saying, you know what, if you want to question some of these things, go find the people who saw Jesus. There, some of them are still around. Those some went to sleep, he says. 
Luke is writing in a time where you don't have first-hand witnesses of Jesus anymore, or probably very many. You're a second-generation Christian, and you're under great persecution. Great persecution, not only from the Jews, but from the Greeks, at the, or from the Romans at this time. So I would bet that the Christians really are starting to lose heart. They maybe expected Jesus to return relatively quickly, and he hasn't. He still hasn't. They're losing heart. And so Luke wants to encourage them to be persistent, to keep going, to keep moving. Perhaps they are feeling the weight of seeing unjust judges in their own cases, right? Perhaps they have been in cases where judges won't give them justice because they're Christians. And so Luke ties this to prayer and to losing heart. But interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't really talk about those things. Listen to what Jesus says. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will God give justice, will not, will, will not God give justice to his elect who cried to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. See, Jesus looks at the story and sees and teaches a little bit something different there. It's, this is a kind of story that's sometimes called historically from lesser to greater. The idea is this. If this judge, who's unjust, who doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people, can get annoyed into doing what's right, how much more will a loving God come to you when you ask for something, when you need justice? That's a great phrase, right? That's a great understanding. God is that kind of loving God that when you go to Him, He doesn't delay. He doesn't wait till you annoy Him. He's not too busy with some other squeaky wheel that He can't come to you when you're in need. He can come. He does come. Although we've got to remember the context. This isn't a widow trying to get a new car. This isn't a widow trying to get a new job. This isn't a widow trying to get what she wants. This is a widow pursuing justice, pursuing what is right, pursuing what God ought to do. There's, will God delay? The text says, no, God will not delay. But I, anybody else got issue with that? How many of us have had times in our lives where we think, God, you're delaying. You are delaying right now. You should have been on top of this. I should not be going through this. God does delay. He delays in our sense of timing. He delays in what we want. But the purpose of prayer isn't for us to annoy Him into what we want. The purpose of prayer is for us to become a, in a position of submission to God. And so sometimes God delays but not in his own time. He's always perfect in his own time. And, and to God, a, a, a minute is like a thousand years, right? I mean, it, God's timing is totally different than ours. So it feels like God delays. It feels like justice doesn't come speedily. Or maybe it comes speedily, but not immediately. And that's what we would really like. We'd really like God to work immediately, and he doesn't work like that. Not in our sense of immediately. God's character is love and his timing and his sense of judgment is not like ours and it's up to us to trust him. 
Jesus continues his description with this little phrase that seems almost out of context. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now, if you read the whole section of Luke, you'll find this is not out of context. Because in the previous chapter, Jesus has been teaching about how the Son of Man is coming. Not just that he's here now, but the Son of Man is coming a second time. And where, when Jesus comes back, all these justices will be right. There'll be no more crying widows when Jesus comes back. There won't be a need for unjust judge, because the just judge will be here. And the question Jesus asks as he's making this connection is, will the Son of Man, he himself in fact, will he find faith on the earth? Will we have faith even when we have to wait? Even when we have to be persistent? When he comes back and we don't have to wait anymore, will he find that we have been faithful or not? Will he find that we have been persistent or not? Here's the thing. We think when we beg God and when we pursue God, when we ask him lots of times, that we're showing no faith. But actually, I think the opposite is true. You know when you show no faith is when you stop asking God. When you give up on God and you say, ah, you're not going to help me anyway. Real faith says, God, I know you hear me. I know you see this. I know you have the power to accomplish this. So do it. And you keep going, you keep going. Why? That's faith. That's faith. God, I know you can do something about this situation. Do it. Lack of faith is when you give up. Will God find that we are faithful? Not begging God for for stuff we want, but begging for justice. Begging for this world to be the world it should be. We're fighting for a world that should be God's. And we're longing for a day when it is. But right now, we're fighting. Right now, there's unjust judges. There's people making decisions that aren't in the right. And we're praying. And we're going. And we're fighting for the widows. And we're fighting for the orphans. And we're fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. That's who we are When Jesus comes back, will he find us still faithful or will we have given up? I tell you what, a lot of Christians do give up. They just say, all right, I can't fix the world. I'm just going to be in my own little bubble because it's too painful to deal with the rest of the world. I'm just going to do my thing. That is not the persistent widow. And so this is a simple story. A persistent widow, an unjust judge, and they, their interaction. But the parable is a great example of the complexity of parables, right? Because there's all kinds of applications and themes to this. Luke and Jesus are both adding their own layers. And there's not one neat application. There's not one neat challenge I have for you right now. But let me say a couple of things to think about after this parable. Number one, I believe there is, and the Bible teaches, that there is power in persistent prayer. That God might take a while by our standards, but He listens to the prayers of His people. And if you want something, keep praying. But be aware that God sometimes gives answers differently than we want Him to. Prayer is not like putting coins in a vending machine and eventually you're going to get the pop you want. Right? Prayer is putting us in a position of being willing to take what God gives us. This is the power for justice and not whatever you want. 
Do not lose heart when God delays. Because God's not really delaying. He's just, just delaying by our standards. He will respond speedily to you and He will be with you. God is loving. He's just not always loving the way you want Him to be. God is so much more caring than this judge. Even if we don't always feel it in the moment. The one word we, I kind of skipped over was the word elect. Will he be speedily to his elect? You know what elect means? Elect means to choose. That God chooses to show his grace to you. He's that loving. We are God's chosen. God will not abandon us. And the great hope today is that the Son of Man is coming. Jesus will return. There will be a time when we don't have to be persistent in our prayers anymore. We can just be persistent in our praises. But until that time comes, we need to be faithful in continuing to go to God to find this world the way it should be. Let's pray. Father God, This is a rich parable with lots of things for us to think about. And so I pray that as we go away from worship, we would think about this. Let it haunt us a little bit. Let us be challenged by it. Continue to teach us by it all week. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.